Do you love Batman? Do you love Frasier? Do you love Seinfeld? Do you love Dr. Seuss? Do you love James Bond? Do you love Captain America? Oh, hell, do you just love everything that's nerd-related? I know I do. Well, you should come on over to a Nerds World podcast and listen to us, Justin and Andrew, talk everything that's nerd. Yeah, every two weeks, we delve into some random topic that we choose at the end of each episode, and we tell you the whole history of it, or as much as we feel the need to write down our history of it, and our favorite things about it. So come on over to a Nerds World, wherever you listen to podcasts. everyone to pod and gore your one-stop shop for everything horror now here's your host justin and brandon take it away boys hello and welcome to pod and gore your one-stop shop for everything horror my name is brandon and my name is justin taking a lead off your intros didn't it Trying feel to good? Add a little, yeah, add a little bit of a little pep to the step there. Hmm. Made me tear uh, up a little. <laughs> yeah, so this episode is our House of a Thousand Corpses episode. That because was, 500 um, is just not enough. <laughs> it, uh, it was a listener request, and it being one of my favorites, we jumped it up. Um, and don't, yeah, um totally lost my train of thought there but if you the listener have a suggestion for a movie that you'd like us to cover in the future and it happens to be a super favorite of one of ours we will most definitely cover it um yeah as long as it's easily available it's streaming somewhere or even better if we own it already we will definitely give it a watch well and that's the thing that's kind of horrible too because like we haven't done a whole lot of listener requests, and we haven't had any in a while. Yeah. Um, but well, really Norris, and then we have the request for Hellraiser, and I'm I'm kind of keeping that one lying back, that one in my back pocket for when whenever you're, I piss you off. <laughs> just enough, just enough. Um. So yes, this week we're covering House of a Thousand Corpses, and I just realized that I sent you my movie notes, but I need to pull up my production notes here. And that was a sparkling water. We're not drinking tonight. I got a beast of a hike I'm doing tomorrow morning, so we're we're staying clear. Well, I'm not. I'm having a Mike's Harder Strawberry in one of the big-ass cans. Look at you. To say I'm proud is an understatement. Well, I'm glad. I rarely drink, but when I do, it's something fruity and, you know... Yeah, nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. Um, Yeah, I'm drinking a blueberry pomegranate aha sparkling water. That sounds nice, too. It's not bad. So, um, as as previously stated, House of a Thousand Corpses is a 2003 American black comedy horror film written, co-scored, and directed by Rob Zombie in his directorial debut and the first film in the Firefly, Firefly film series. Um, it stars Sid Haig, Bill Mosley, Sherry Moon, Zombie, Karen Black, Rain Wilson, Chad Hardwick, and Dennis Fimple in his final role. Uh, Isn't it the Chris plot Hardwick? centers around Chris, uh, Chris Hardwick, yeah, uh, Talking Dead, Chris Hardwick? Yeah. Mm hmm. 
You said Chad. You're... Oh, did I say Chad? No. Mm-hmm. Did I? I thought I said Chris. Oh, well. Mm. Um, the plot centers around a group of teenagers who, uh, who are kidnapped and tortured by a psychotic family during Halloween after traveling across the country to write a book. Um, inspired by 1970s horror films such as Texas Chainsaw Massacre Obviously. and The Hills Have Eyes, <laughs> right? Zombie conceived the film while designing a haunted house attraction for Universal Studios Hollywood, mm-hmm. where filming took place in 2000 on the back lots and Valencia, California. When the studio shelved the film, fearing that it would receive an NC-17 rating, Rob Zombie reacquired the rights. Uh, he reacquired the rights. Um, they were eventually sold to Lionsgate Entertainment, who released the film in April of 2003. Despite receiving an unfavorable response from critics, it went on to grow 16 million worldwide. It's uh, since its release, the film has achieved a cult following, was developed into a haunted house attraction by Zombie for Universal Studios, and was uh, followed by two sequels, The Devil's Rejects in 2005, and Three from Hell in 2019. That's quite the uh, gap between two and three. Uh, there really was, man, because I believe that two was supposed to be it. Hmm. And when you and when uh, you finally watch it, um, you'll I'm pretty sure you'll understand why. Sure. But yeah, it, it I believe that was he was supposed to be like that's it. Um, so Rob Zombie rose to fame as a member of the band White Zombie for, uh, before performing a solo career. Zombie's uh, debut al- album, Hellbilly Deluxe, which was a, a favorite of mine in the late 90s, was influenced by classic horror films, as were its music videos for Living Dead Girl and Super Beast. The album was a commercial success, selling over 3 million copies in the United States prior to working on House of a Thousand Corpses. Zombie had worked on an av- uh, worked on animation for Beavis and Butthead to America. Huh. Uh, directed music videos and unsuccessfully attempted to write a script for The Crow Salvation. Hmm. In 1999, Zombie designed a haunted maze attraction at Universal Studios that was instrumental in reviving the studio's annual Halloween Horror Nights and for which Bill Mosley presented Rob uh, Rob Zombie an award. The studio later began working on an animated uh, Frankenstein film which Zombie hoped to be a part of, though plans for the film were ultimately scrapped by the studio. So I think an the, animated version of the Universal Monsters could be really cool. I think it would be really... I agree, 100%. I would love to see anything And, it, and avoid all the Universal pitfalls Monsters. they've faced trying to do it live action. Mm-hmm. Yeah, without having to try to find out how can we make the Invisible Man yet modern yeah and, just do it old school I mean, and make it a cartoon i think that'd be great or even do even like that's the thing like you could make the movie just make it like yeah. it doesn't have to be modern you I know what know. i mean like it's yeah. this is its own episode <laughs> i know it is. it really could be bonus episode idea number 13 mm. um so the idea for the uh, for the film came to Zombie while designing the haunted house attraction with that title for the studio, and Universal responded positively to his pitch. 
Zombie later stated, I was in the office of the head of production or something, and he asked me if I had any movie ideas, and I pitched him corpses, which was very rough at the time, because I wasn't ready, and I made it up on the spot. He liked it. I went home, wrote a 12-page treatment, and met up with them. Two months later, we were shooting. Production of the film began in May of 2000 and was finished by Halloween of 2000. Jeez. The the house the house uh, was launched the the following year, although the title was changed to American Nightmare due to the film's shelving. Despite the name change, the house still featured numerous references to the film and the theatrical trailer played while customers waited. Hmm. So the the film's budget was around three to four million. Um, though its final budget is debatable. Zombie first claimed that the film was made solely with the initial $4 million, but later described a budget between 7 and $14 million. Zombie later admittedly, admitted that he initially uh, knew he didn't have the funding for a good ending, but gambled that if, he, uh, if, that if he shot what he could on what remained of his budget, the studio would kick in more funds to make a better ending. I knew the ending sucked, so I left. Uh, so I let it suck, and then said, "The movie's great, but the ending sucks." And I know, so they gave me more money, and we shot a more elaborate um, ending, bigger sets, the whole razzmatazz. The original film featured more characters, including a skunk ape, a featured footage of four, um, a featured footage of the four teenagers on their road trip. Universal hoped that the film would focus more on the group of kids, but Zombie knew nobody gives a shit about the kids. Zombie uh, claimed the film was not initially meant to feature elements of black horror, saying uh, it turned out a little wackier and campier than I originally intended, but as we were shooting, that's the tone that it was turning out to be. Movies sometimes dictate their own course, so I just went with it. That and his wacky ass writing of words that no normal person would ever say. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. Like we were talking about at lunch yesterday, I kind of feel like um, that the way Rob Zombie writes, it's super wordy, kind of like how Kevin Smith is, except for, you know, one's on the nerd scale and one's obviously on the more horror Cursing. side of things. Yeah. Um,. The film was shot on a 25-day shooting schedule. Two weeks were spent filming on the Universal Studios uh, Hollywood backlots. The house featured in the film is the same house used in the best little horror house in Texas in 1982. Hmm. And it can be seen on the Universal Studios tram tours. Zombie stated that the, uh, that the filming on the lot was at times difficult, as the amusement park was often opened and ruined takes. The remaining 11 days of the shoot were spent on a ranch in Valencia, California. The scenes involving Bill being transformed into Fishboy was an initially much longer, featuring gory details of the creation of the monster. Zombie stated that the scene was created after Universal passed on the film. Scenes featuring Baby masturbating with a skeleton, along with other cutaway scenes, were filmed in Zombie's basement after initial filming for the project had concluded. Zombie uh, later cited home recordings from the Manson family as inspiration for the Fireflies uh, family's bizarre rants. Uh, Zombie often filmed two versions of scenes, one of them less gory, in an attempt to please Universal. Hmm. Um, or so they say. Um, so... 
Jake McKinnon could not, uh, uh, he wasn't able to see very well when dressed as the professor and almost hit actress Aaron Daniels with a real axe during the scene's climax. Jesus. So that's what, so that's what that big motherfucker was called, the professor. Um, Zombie later said he had simply hoped Daniels would move out of the way in time. <laughs> when Denise calls her father from the telephone booth, a sign for her missing dog head can be seen hanging in the booth. This was, in fact, a real item found by Zombie and used for the film. In the earlier stages of the film, uh, Grandpa Hugo was to have been revealed as the murderous Dr. Satan, who at the time was simply referred to as the Mad Doctor. The legend of the Mad Doctor was to be a ploy by the Firefly family to lure victims in, though this idea was later scrapped. This led to Grandpa Hugo receiving much less screen time. The character of Dr. Satan was inspired by a 1950s billboard-sized poster advertising a live spook show starring a, ma a magician called Dr. Satan that Rob Zombie has in his house. <laughs> As if you would be surprised by that. No, not really. No. And so uh, I already listed the cast. So you have Sid Haig as Captain Spaulding. Rest in peace. Mm -hmm. Bill Mosley. Uh, as Otis B. Driftwood, which I can't help but fan uh, fan out a little bit, I w like I was telling you today. Um, we had posted a picture on our Instagram, and we got a couple likes by Mil Bill Mosley, so that was super awesome. Well, I know he's not going to hear this, but... Sh yeah, not that he'll hear this, but we appreciate it nonetheless. Maybe um, one day. Sherry Moon Maybe one day. Um, Sherry Moon Zombie as Baby, Karen Black as Mother Firefly, Chris Hardwick as Jerry Goldsmith, Aaron Daniels as Denise Willis, uh, Jennifer Johnson as Mary Knowles, um, and you have Rain Wilson, good old Dwight as Bill Hudley, and then a bunch of others. Um, Walter Goggins, another big uh, kind of known was uh, Steve Nash, and yeah, and yeah, Den Dennis Fimple as Grandpa Hugo. But I'm not super aware of what he had been in before. Yeah, he looked um, familiar, but I didn't mind looking him up or bother right. looking him up and then also matthew matthew mick uh mick Grory as tiny who also passed away i believe hmm. during house of a thousand corpses oh, geez. so the the score for the film was composed by zombie alongside canadian producer scott humphrey much of the production work for the soundtrack to the film was done in humphrey's studio the chop shop um, the film score features similar uh, similar musical themes to Zombies releases, consisting of heavy metal influences. MTV said the music mixed snippets of ominous hillbilly dialogue with grim horror movie rock. While making the movie, Zombie joked with his manager that he should do a cover of Brick House from 1977, originally performed by the Commodores. Uh, his ma manager later got um, both Lionel Richie and rapper Trina to appear on a cover of the song with Zombie under the title Brick House 2003. Um, aside from making audio clips and snippets for the film, uh, Zombie recorded a variety of new songs for the film soundtrack. The song House of a Thousand Corpses, taken from Zombie's album The Sinister Urge, is also present. 
The soundtrack uh, was released on March 23rd, 2003, and made an appearance on the 2000 or no, sorry, made an appearance on the Billboard 200 chart in the United States. The film, uh, the soundtrack to the film is isolated on home video releases of the film uh, as a separate audio track. Later in 2019, Rob Zombie announced that the soundtrack would be released on vinyl um, by label Waxwork Records. The record included an essay by Zombie, a 12 by 12 photo booklet uh, of the behind the scenes photos. Man, I want to get me some vinyl. Um, So, uh, about the release of the film, prior to agreeing to release the film through Universal, Rob Zombie reportedly told the studio of the film's nature, stating, I was really blatant when I talked to them. I didn't want to get into a situation where they thought I was making something mainstream, and I told them that I wanted to make a drive-in movie, something very gritty and nasty and weird. Um, production of the film was completed in 2000 and was set for the release to uh, Universal. The studio completed a theatrical trailer for the film, which was shown in theaters and prior to the Universal ride created by Zombie. Zombie later received a, a call for a meeting with Stacy Snyder, head of Universal. Um, Zombie recalled fearing that the studio would demand a reshoot, though he later learned that Snyder's fear of the film receiving an NC-17 rating led to the company's refusal to release it. The film remained shelved for several months, with Zombie eventually purchasing the rights to the film for Universal. Zombie claimed that that many had urged him to scrap the film following the fallout with Universal, though he continued to search for a new distributor. I actually remember this like during the time mm-hmm. uh, around what was going on because this was right around the time when I was um, like a junior, senior in high school yeah. um, 2000, 2001 I remember hearing about it and then um, hearing that it was it was so crazy and such an intense movie that nobody would release it and this and that and then when it finally came out uh, it was, I was pretty stoked Although to be honest, the first time I watched the movie, I I don't remember being that into it. Like I was like I watched it, I was like, I really, really want to like this movie. And when I did, I was like, Okay. I don't know what I just watched. <laughs> yeah, I'm um, not entirely in that boat, but I'm pretty dang close. Mm-hmm. I mean it's I like it, but I don't like it. And I talked to you about this earlier. I feel Mm -hmm. like he just had so many ideas for what he wanted to do, but no one there to tell him no. Mm -hmm. And so he just ran wild, and there's just so many random things, like the old man yelling about, you know, hell is on earth, it's here. Like, it's it's Uh a fine scene, but it's not necessary. And there's just so many random things, it's like... You know, I, I was saying to you earlier, the whole movie feels like the end of Texas Chainsaw Massacre when it right. starts going all crazy and the close-up on her eye. And the the problem I have with that is when it's always notched up to 11, like, it's it becomes pointless. It's like when a, yeah. a horror movie is all jump scares, after a while you expect them, and therefore they're less... Uh, effective. Right. I got you on that. 
Um, so Zombie later made a deal with MGM to release the film, with MGM slating an October 2002 release. Despite this, MGM later refused to release the film following a controversial remark from Zombie claiming that the company had no morals for releasing the film. Zombie later announced uh, plans to release the film himself without the backing of a production company. Despite this, Zombie eventually caught the eye of Lionsgate Entertainment, uh, the final studio to sign on for the project. Lion... um, uh, lost my place there. Um, Lionsgate will release anything. <laughs> attempting to venture into new types of films, hoping uh, releasing a horror film would prove uh, provide more opportunities. The film uh, was cut pre-Saw? and edited. Yeah, dude, I think Saw was... I should know since I did that episode, but... Uh, Saw was 2004. So, oh. yeah. Interesting. Right? Just barely, though. Yeah, but, I mean, Saw took, like, a weekend to make, so, I mean... <laughs> yeah, true. This, I would assume, opened the door for that to happen. Right. Hey, I'll take it. Yeah. I know that you're, I know, uh, you're a big fan of the, um, the Saw, Indeed. uh, franchise, as, uh, as am I. Um... So, where'd I go here? Um, The film was cut and edited in an attempt to achieve an R rating, with Zombie claiming that most of the cut footage featuring uh, featured uh, Sherry Moon Zombie's character. Um, The first public screening of the film occurred in Argentina on March 13, 2003. It says, "House of a Thousand Corpses" received its theatrical release on April 11, 2003. The, few, uh, the film made its debut in the United Kingdom at Fright Fest and was the fastest selling event of the night, where it grossed $3.460,666 million, oh, $3, million on a limited opening weekend, while boasting $2.5 million on its official opening. The film opened in second at the box office behind the film, uh, comedy film Anger Management. It went on to gross $12.6 million in the United States alone, with an additional four point two accumulated worldwide. The f- uh, film's gro- uh, reported gross is $16.8. According to Zombie, Lionsgate Entertainment made back their investment of the film on the first day, and shortly afterwards approached Zombie about a sequel to the film. Um, this movie has uh, several, several taglines, and I... Wrote them all down. Of course you did. Um, the first one, the most shocking tale of carnage ever seen. The movie some never wanted you to see. There's no turning back. True horror is back. You'll never get out alive. God bless this house. Dare you enter, dot, dot, dot. <laughs> um, and then life and death are meaningless and pain is God. I like that one. Yeah, I believe that's what um, Otis says. Sounds like something Otis would say. Yeah. So before we dive into the movie, um, let's see what I got here. I got some some trivia and fun facts. We'll go ahead and pop those open real quick. See what I have that we didn't already cover. 
cover. Um, there is more than um, there is more than one instance where you see a poster for two missing boys. Um, the the uh, those boys were actually pictures of Rob Zombie and his brother, um, who is the lead singer of Power Man Five Thousand. I don't know if you remember that song when worlds collide. Yeah. Uh, uh, when they were children. So most of the cutaway scenes, um, Otis torturing cheerleaders, baby masturbating with a skeleton, which I don't remember seeing. Yeah, I um, think that, were, made a, that seems like uh, something were, that would stick with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were filmed in Zombie's basement after rapping. He would invite cast members over to his house on the weekends and shoot the footage himself with a 16-millimeter handheld camera. With the exception of the shot of a setting sun, he created uh, the opening credits the same way. Hmm. Um, so in 2014, Rob Zombie acknowledged the move, uh, the movie's cult following, but admitted that he um, that he himself is not a f- is not fond of it. Zombie called the film a calamitous mess. <laughs> All I see is flaw upon flaw upon flaw upon fl- uh, flaw. Um, which sounds like exactly what you were talking about. Yeah, it's kind of so, like Tim Burton calling the first Batman movie boring. It's like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, let's see what else we got here. Do, 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 do. The man who reads the news about the missing cheer, uh, cheerleaders is actually Bill Mosley. If you listen carefully, you will actually recognize his voice and way of talking. I never noticed that, and... Bill Mosley's voice is very distinct. Like definitely, you, yeah, you know, like I had seen House of a Thousand Corpses and Devil's Rejects and all that, obviously before I saw Repo. Yeah. And so, like when I when I watched Repo it, with Bill Mosley in it, all I could think about was Otis. Like sure. that was just, you know, like that's all I heard. See, and I went the other way because I have seen Repo a million times and never seen this. So as soon as I heard him, mm. I was like, oh, it's Repo. <laughs> um. So Karen Black, who plays Mother Firefly in this film, um, but play yeah she plays Mother Firefly in this film. But due to a salary dispute prior to pre-production on its sequel, The Devil's Rejects, uh, Black was replaced by Leslie Easterbrook. Hmm. Um. This was Dennis Pimple's last film. He was increasingly sick with heart disease during filming, and a few time, uh, and a few of his scenes were filmed with him sitting down. Ultimately, however, he died in a car crash in 2002. Sad. Um, so, let's see. Rob Zombie considered appearing a few seconds. Oh, considered appearing a few seconds in the film as Doctor Wolfenstein. Stein. See. The, the 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 movie throws me off because the intro where it's t- Dr. Wolfenstein and then mm-hmm. you know goes to the show and he's like you know I'm Dr. Wolfenstein and I'm like god damn it <laughs> <laughs> um I get caught up cuz I I always say Wolfenstein but then I when I got uh, yeah so remember you are young I, Frankenstein it's Frankenstein <laughs> Um, however, after deciding that he would uh, look normal no matter what makeup effects were used, he chose not to. 
Instead, he took on the brief role as Dr. Wolfenstein's assistant for about two seconds. And can be seen in the background and then smashing a pumpkin with a sledgehammer. Um, So inside Captain Spaulding's gas bar fast fast food museum of horror, um, behind the cache on the wall are reproductions of Aleister Crowley's paintings of uh, demonic figures which were later discovered under whitewash in his former abbey of Thelema in Cefalu, Italy. Cefalu, whatever. Mm. Um, uh, Sherry Moon Zombie also appears as an extra during the neighborhood trick-or-treating scene playing the tall young woman dressed as a nurse pushing a baby carriage. Hmm. Um... Near the beginning of the film, Captain Spaulding tells Bill that he uh, took over the shop right after the Duke nabbed an Oscar, speaking about John Wayne winning the award. Later in the film, Spaulding tells Wydell, don't get all true grit on my ass. This is a reference to his previous comment as true grit, 1969, was the first and only time uh, John Wayne ever won an Oscar for best actor in a leading role. Okay, this is here we go. Here's this one. Um, so in the uh, burial scene, yeah, towards the end of the film, where the caskets are lowered into the ground with a tape recorder, the recorder, the recording is a slowed down clip of Al- Alistair Crowley repeating "Bury me in a nameless grave," which is the opening line from his poem, um, "The Poet," recorded in 1920. So. Um, Several of the characters name um, are named after film characters in five of the Marx Brothers film. Captain James T. Spaulding from Animal Crackers, Professor, Professor Quincy Adams, uh, Professor Quincy Adam Wagstaff from Horse Feathers, Rufus T. Firefly from Duck Soup, Otis B. Driftwood from A Night at the Opera, Dr. Hugo Z. Hackenbush from A Day at the Races, and S. Quentin Quayle from Go West, all portrayed by Groucho Marx. Hmm. And um, Signor Emmanuel Ravelli from Animal Crackers, uh, baby's real name, Vera Ellen, which I didn't know, is likely another Marx Brothers refi- uh, reference as Vera Ellen portrayed by Maggie Phillips in their love or in their film happy, uh, love happy so when you watch the devil's rejects you'll get a little bit more into that because they actually talk about during the movie about um they like a film expert talking about uh the marx brothers and all that hmm. um so there's actually quite a bit more and uh we can call it good fair enough anything else that you want to talk about before we get in no well, let's dive in all right, so as stated, the um, opening of the film starts out with Dr. Wolfenstein intro. Like, that is, like, I, I kind of wish I could have grown up in that time right. when they had the retro horror on TV and you'd listen to it, like, either on the radio, on records or whatever. Like, I love the the old, that old retro, uh, I don't know... Saying retro is so vague, I believe, because it can cover so many different things. But right. just that style of um, 
having you know some sort of spooky host entertaining you during whatever type of spooky spectacular they had going on and um yeah i don't know what else more to say about that but like or how it, re it reminded me a lot of trick-or-treat and the way it kind of had that sort of campy and uh beginning and the uh-huh trying to think well, of okay. like that old-timey commercial mm-hmm i gotcha um and my next the last thing i uh man i have just all out of sorts tonight um uh i had wrote rest in peace said hag um he actually he recently passed yeah just uh super sad guy was um we could almost do an entire episode on just him alone like his his um career was so diverse yeah I'm like pretty sure he, he was did. in Watchmen. Um, he probably was. Did you know that he he? he I, I believe he was a henchman in Adam West Batman. Hmm, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. He. Um, I'm trying to see. What did you say that he, he was in? Watchmen. What year was Watchmen? Two thousand nine. Two thousand nine. Um, no, he was not in The Watchmen. Hmm. It's, it's someone that looks a hell of a lot like him, though. It sounds like <laughs> Yeah. Him. Um, I was going to try to see, because it, it was in the late 60s that he was in Batman. Well, he was, he was, so he was, um, he was in The Man from Uncle. Hmm. So he was in a couple, he was in a couple episodes. He was one of King, uh, King Tut's. Uh, he played a royal apothecary in the episode The Spell of Tut, and Tut's case is shut. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he'd been in so many things. Lived to the age of 80. That's a, that's not a bad life. Well, and all the work that he did, and it's mm -hmm. quite impressive. Yeah, 100%. Um, and so... It it starts out, you know, you're there, um, kind of uh, on the Captain Spaulding's Museum of Monsters and Madmen. Mm -hmm. um, as it pans down to the restaurant or not restaurant to the gas station itself, um, there's a the fried chicken and gasoline sign. I actually have a replica of that that came in my uh, Bam Horror box. Uh, a couple months ago. That's awesome. It's much smaller, but it looks exactly like it. It's so cool. Even though, um, like, I'm not a fan of a lot of the movies that they do for those boxes, it'd still be cool to have some of that stuff. Right? Yeah. Uh, the prop that came in this last one I got was um was a uh, the skeleton key from the movie The Skeleton Key, which I could really care less about. Yeah. But um, still a cool thing to have. Yeah, it it really is. Like, there's enough cool stuff in there where it, it's worth it. Um, so the one thing I uh, I wrote, the one thing I do love about Zombie is the is his uh, use of that retro style horror, and like from his movies to his uh, music, he uses a lot of that. Like what um, we had covered in one of the notes, talking about use some sort of dialogue in some sort of classic, or not classic, but like some sort of um 
spooky sounding audio you know yeah. like um i like the way that it's kind of cut up like that mm-hmm. um and they had something like that playing over the speaker outside and like part of me wishes there was something like that around here because i think that'd be a fun thing to check out but then again at the same time after watching this movie i'm glad there's nothing like that around <laughs> here because say. i'm not trying to get lured into a fucking Death bad house. situation <laughs> yeah right um <clears throat> so Sid uh they're in the gas station they're talking um he's talking to one of the older guys there um like I had to look him up cuz I kind of felt like while I don't really think that it was a the way that they shot the film and the way the guy was talking like it almost seemed like he had like I thought he might have been like a big time actor or big time comedian back in the day and it kind of right. seemed like his lines were set up like he's you know storytelling. Yeah, I didn't like get he was that from a his bit part because he used to be someone and everyone would go, "Oh, hey, it's that guy." Yeah, um I didn't recognize anything, but that's also doesn't surprise me either because uh yeah. And so the starting out they're in there talking. He goes to the restroom, and I wrote down Sig, uh, Sid's laughter. Like, the way he laughs is one of my all-time favorite laughs. Like, it's just <laughs> such a joyful, booming, hearty laugh. Like, it's... it's I, I don't want to say Joker-esque, because not many people can pull off that style of laughter. Right. But kind of... I guess you could almost kind of say it's very similar to a deeper version of Cesar Romero's laugh from uh, Batman. Yeah, yeah, it is. That kind of hee-hee-hee of it all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, he is a clown. Um, I mean, he does... He is a clown. I wouldn't be surprised if he channeled a little Caesar for the role. What's that? I wouldn't be surprised if he decided to channel Caesar for the role. Right. Like, think back Given... to the... Well, I mean, if he worked on the show, too, I mean, that's even more reason... Yeah, I don't know what else he would have done aside from uh, being uh, one of the henchmen. Right. Um, very possible he could have been on the show for other things, un- um, uncredited, who knows. Mm-hmm. Um, so the gas station gets robbed, <laughs> and the guy walks in there, and it's like, of all the places to try to rob, I don't think this would be it. Well, no. Um, I, this just occurred to me, but, like, these people are from around town. They end up recognizing them and calling them out by name. You'd think yeah. that they would know to steer clear of that shop. Right. Or just, yeah, exactly. Like you said, um, when you see the teenagers, which, I'm sorry, those are not teenagers. They never but are. When you see, <laughs> when you see them driving into town, they, um, or to the gas station, they it doesn't look like there's anything around there so it's not like they could have went and robbed i don't i don't think that the options to rob were very vast but like exactly that dude and then to go in there the guy's just you know give me the money but the way he talks i wrote it down he sounds like a wrestler trying to cut a promo when he's like oh that's it you know like he kind of reminds me of <laughs> play times over you know like and so yeah definitely they do ro- uh, rob the wrong shop um 
big guy goes into the bathroom, brings out the old man who recognizes him, like you said, calls him out by name, mm -hmm. sings the song that he gets at the hardware store about being Little Dick Wick, yeah. and then he's like, I hate that song. The guy's like, put your fucking mask back on. Right. And he's like, oh, that's it. And then, um, yeah, wrong shot. Guy, yeah, boom, boom, gets shot. <laughs> it's all bad. Um, and then we go from that to setting up the whole reason why they have to uh, go to a gas station is because uh, one guy has to do all the driving and the other guy didn't fill up the tank all the way. Yeah. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, they stop at the nearest gas station. You find out that they're writing a book about roadside attractions, which, which honestly sounds like an interesting... I would read it. Yeah, definitely. Um, they're driving across country and, uh, and to the point to where, you know, um, Bill's asking a bunch of questions like, uh, hey, so uh, why are you asking me all these jackassy questions? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and then, you, then they find that out and um, you get... Uh, you got the cowboy and the space boy is what I wrote because... Uh, Spalding, obviously, as we talked about earlier, big fan of the, of the Duke and mm -hmm. the Audi Pilgrim with the with his tattoo, and then uh, Bill's like, I'm more of you know science fiction guys and pew pew pew. <laughs> uh, he's like, oh. and so yeah, it's basically two worlds collide right there. Like mm -hmm. generally, you're, yeah, your westerns and your sci-fi don't really mix. So, and I wrote this down for you, and I know that we talked about it already, but anybody that's listened to this show um, would know that Justin's uh, favorite universal monster is the creature from the ba uh, Black Lagoon. Indeed. Which actually is kind of featured in this movie quite a bit. Yeah, I would say a lot more than I thought, because I saw the mask, and I was like, oh, that's really cool, and then I, they get to the house, and I was like, oh... It's everywhere. Yeah, it's the it's like in the entire wall, which I thought was super awesome. I'd and love then that wall. I believe, <laughs> what's that? I'd love to have that wall. It, yeah, that would look good. Um, and then I believe when they're down when they're um, having dinner and they have to wear their masks, I believe one of the masks looks like a creature, and uh, I was like, wow, that's at least three times yeah. that you see it. So well, you yeah. find. Uh, Go ahead. No, never mind. Uh, okay. Um, so, turns out that the gas station has a murder ride. As most gas stations do. It's usually yeah, called 100%. the bathroom. But. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, they go through the murder ride. Um, I didn't write it all down, but I kind of remember off the top. So, the first one talks about the, the Albert Fish. Which is kind of like an animatronic, like something you'd see at Chuck E. Cheese or <laughs> some sort of amusement park. Mm -hmm. um, I believe they showed. Oh God, Albert Fish was the first one. I believe they showed Elizabeth Bathory. I think that was the next one they said it was. Um, I have no idea. And then, the, like, I kind of had a thought that occurred to me because, like, they showed, like, a body hanging up on the side of the wall and this and that. And part of me wondered, I was like, man, I wonder if they, like, with those bodies and they had to dispose of them, like, a murder ride not, might, wouldn't be too bad of a place to stash. You know what I mean? 
And yeah, so, aside from the possible smell. Yeah. You could swap them out, though. That's true. And so they get to the end of that ride, and then they start talking about the legend of Dr. Satan and how, you know, the tree in which he was hung and vanished from was no more than the stone's throw away from where they're at right now. And so, you know, he's like, tell me where it's at. Tell me, you know, fucking Jerry just is relentless. He's like, where's it at? Where's it at? So they go, um, and then you, we have the scene talking about the missing uh, cheerleaders. Mm-hmm. Uh, people pry, I wrote down people prying always leads to a bad time. Um, I don't remember exactly why I wrote that, but I feel like it's probably because... Jerry, oh yeah, well because Jerry was pestering the shit out of Spaulding to be like, hey, where, where's this at? Where's it at? You know, just yeah, if he had fill just, up and move on. Yeah, if he had he left, then they would have never encountered any of it. Potentially. Well, um, they might have still picked up uh, what's your face, but yeah, and that's the thing, man. Picking up hitchhikers is also a bad time, <laughs> especially in a horror um, movie. Just don't yeah, do it. When, yeah, don't do it. Save yourself. But then, you know, so they're, they're driving out. It's raining like crazy. They pick up Baby, who's hitchhiking along the side of the road. And um, they're driving. Uh, and then the thing that I kind of caught, like I thought was weird is, so the tow truck driver, who uh, Rufus, mm-hmm. who is also the guy who shoots out their tire, which looked like a shotgun, um, unless he was using like a slug or something, I don't know. Like from that distance, I felt like uh, it would have to have been a slug, man. Because if you use like birdshot or something, there the spray would have been a lot more. Um, yeah, they would have noticed I, that it was a, a shot instead of a blowout. Yeah, and so Jesus Christ, Jerry. Um, <laughs> so they're sitting there. Uh, I wrote down Dwight, uh, so Bill, goes with Baby to the house to get um, her brother's tow truck. When they're on their way, uh, the cheerleaders are actually being held captive at said house while Otis is going off on one of his many rants. Mm-hmm. So he does, he's not, a, I don't remember him being as ranty in Devil's Rejects. He might have been, but I don't think he was. Not as much as he was in this. And even the character design, like I was telling you, is much different between the two. Like, he goes full-on beard opposed to the patchy choppiness he had in the first one. Um, And so the tow truck shows up, but I don't, like, I didn't, I wrote down, but does he really have to be super creepy? So, like, he shows up, backs up to the car, but you don't see that. You just see him walking up to the car. He kind of like lumbers over the hood and then starts just like banging on it like a weirdo. Yeah, I feel like there's better ways to get someone's attention. But I could <laughs> say that about everything in this movie. Like everyone is just a touch too strange for their own good. Mm-hmm. Like, subtle. Um, so they get they go to the house. Baby changes into the skimpiest pajamas. Um, super flirty. Like yeah. she trying to get a little. She she trying to to love up on Bill. But so is Mama. So Mama comes around, and she's flirty as shit too. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you kind of find out that 
or I wrote down uh, Bill's girlfriend Mary. She's kind of bitchy. So yeah. like everybody kind of goes with the flow in this movie, except for her. Like she's most definitely more aggressive. She's quick to talk shit. Like during but she's the one that ends um, up being right because if they had just listened to her, they would have left. <laughs> yeah. Or never well, been there tried- in the first place. Right. Uh, later on, like later on during Baby's little performance, she shoves Mary or Mary shoves her off the lap off of because um, she was sitting on Bill's lap. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. They um, almost get in a fight, and Baby pulls out a knife, and <laughs> I'm gonna cut your fucking tits off. <laughs> um, so they're sitting, they're all around the dinner table, um, and then Tiny shows up, and obviously Tiny is a nickname Mm -hmm. and it's one of those ironic nicknames because he's huge Uh, yeah kind of like if somebody called me slim (laughs) you know like first of all fuck you don't say that (laughs) second of all it's most definitely ironic um so yeah (laughs) shut up uh so um mama writes on a note you know get grandpa but you know spells gram pa (laughs) and then uh we find out a little bit earlier that it is, um, it's hallow, it's Halloween Eve, I mm-hmm. believe. It's not, it's not actually Halloween. I think it's Halloween Eve. Right. Um, and so they're wearing masks at dinner. Otis joins for dinner, saying, "I know all about what you want to know about." <laughs> Some shit like that. Being Otis. Yeah. Um, and one hundred percent. They ignore every warning to leave. Well, I mean, you just step foot in the house and it would make me want to leave. Well, even Otis is like, you don't want to be here. You you should go. Everybody's (laughs) told them to leave. Spalding told them. Everybody's like, you know, you should leave. Yeah. Bad news bears. Just get out. Right. And then, what is it? Grandpa yells, it's showtime. Or something like that, uh-huh. and then we they go off into I believe what looks like a barn, and then it starts out with Grandpa's lewd set, which everything he has to talk about is pussy, yeah, like everything. <laughs> well, when um, you're cooped up in a farm by yourself, I suppose. Right, and then, I mean Bill and Jerry, they're into it. They're laughing their asses off. Mm-hmm. Girl, from Mary and Denise, not so much. Weird. <laughs> um, well, really weird, huh? And then Betty, uh, Betty, Baby comes out and does her performance, um, kind of Baby Boop, uh, Betty Boop esque. Mm-hmm. God, if I could get their names right, that'd be <laughs> nice. Um, and then it does get awkward. I wrote it gets awkward quick because uh, Mary loses it and shoves Baby. Um, so they get in their car and they're getting ready to leave, and like the gates closed, yeah. <laughs> and so they're like, they're like, just go. And he's like, I have to open the gate. And as he goes to open the gate, you find out that um, Tiny and Otis were um, quote unquote scarecrows that were up along the side of the the driveway to get out. Mm-hmm. Um, I would have just fucking barreled through the fence and left. Yeah, at that point, I, I would say so. Unless I didn't really get a good look at what kind of fence gate it was, but as long as That's it wouldn't screw up I your car, like. Just take the chance. Yeah, but I mean, and even in hindsight, like, kind of worth it. Yeah. 
Um, so dad calls um, dad calls the local authorities the next day when the daughter doesn't show up. Kind of, uh, I believe he knew he knew somebody in the area. Yeah, he knew uh, the, at least the a, sheriff or whatever. Right, and so we go back to the house, um, and then Mary wakes up. It's Mary that's upstairs that wakes up, and she's talking to Otis, and then mm-hmm. he shows her what he did to Bill and turned Bill into a into fish boy, which, which essentially, which is essentially like, um, I don't know if you've ever been to like a Ripley's Believe It or Not or any kind of like off centric style museum of odd shit, no, um, really. but it. It's kind of like, I'll send you a picture of, of exactly what I'm talking about, and you'll be like, "Oh, okay," um, and I'll post it to fa- I'll post it to Facebook too. It's um, yeah, like a half man, half fish, kind of like a mermaid boy kind of thing. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Which the really. And the... <laughs> yeah, it's really it's really weird. See, so, I think one of my big issues with the movie is like I don't get their point. Like, I don't mm-hmm. understand exactly what it is they're trying to do, aside from just being crazy and gross. Uh, you know what? Honestly, I think it's it's the same thing as trying to understand, because obviously one of the things they talked about was, um, in the notes, was that he took a lot of inspiration from what recordings of what um, the Manson family yeah. were kind of like. So it's like trying to... It's just, it's really weird. Like, I don't think my, like, our minds could ever really comprehend some, like, somebody being in that state of mind. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, but I mean, like, when you watch Texas Chainsaw, it's like they're a bunch of crazy rednecks that are cannibals and make things out of people. Right. And it's a simple enough thing, as horrible and disturbing as that is, that you can go, okay, that's their thing. Yeah. I don't get what these people's thing is cuz later they're dressed up as rabbits running around the you know the <laughs> field there which is funny and it's you know but I don't It's like I I didn't know if they were like trying to summon Satan, if they were trying to <laughs> do some other crazy voodoo stuff. It was just wacky is, for the sake a, of wacky. Yeah, there's a lot going on, that's for sure. Um so the sheriff I wrote down sheriff, but I believe it's just deputy. I think they're deputies, because Wydell... Um, they show up at Spalding's, demand that he... Um, to You know, kind of question what's going on, because when the dad called the sheriff and was telling him, you know, he went to some place called Spalding's. Mm-hmm. Um, you know... Um, was it Captain Spaulding? You know, he's up front, tells him every, like everything. Like he doesn't hide anything. Uh, he, you know, they're like draw us the same map that you drew for them. Yeah. Um, and I'm assuming that they do because, as you'll see after a little bit, they uh, they show up at the house. Yeah. But so the part, this part was a little. There's a few things that were kind of weird for me in this movie, and so when. 
Denise is downstairs and she's kind of chained to a bed in this like Alice in Wonderland looking dress or whatever the hell like turned mm-hmm. into a doll or something. Um, Tiny comes down there and he's eating a bowl of cereal in the creepiest way that you could weirdest, dis- disturbing, whatever you want to call it, way of eating cereal. Sure. And then you know she kind of she's like you know will you let me go and whatever whatever so he kind of just reaches over and unflaps her strap there, and uh, she gets up and she goes to leave. Of course, Otis comes around the corner and is like, "What the fuck are you doing?" Grabs her and throws her into like a cage. But then yeah, there's like these kennel. weird, yeah, no, like these weird people that are in there that kind of attack her or like jump at her. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of the same thing, like, later on when they're lowering the caskets and the caskets start to break. Like, who are, like, it's, yeah, just another unanswered question of, like, are they zombies? Are they, what the hell are they? Because they look like they, something weird going on. We'll get to that later. Yeah. Um, so, um, then we get, uh, we get the big creature wall where the entire wall is a uh, creature from the black lagoon which is super cool it was really but cool then, it was like the the poster for the movie painted on the mm-hmm. wall yeah which is uh i i would love to have something like that in in my uh cave here That'd be super um cool. so jerry is tied to a chair he's dealing with baby Mm-hmm. And then Baby is like, yeah, I'll let you go if you can tell me who my favorite uh, movie star is. And he's Easy like, enough. Marilyn Monroe. Marilyn Monroe. He's, she's like, wrong. Betty Davis, I believe. And then she scalps yeah. him. It's a reasonable response. Really, yeah, yeah, exactly. And then you get um, Wydell and Nash show up at the Firefly house. Uh shit just gets weird like they're walking around looking at stuff there's a you know big ass dog you you see just how weird everything is on the outside i don't remember everything um i remember the dolls that were like nailed to the wall in the front but i'm trying to remember all the well yeah all the shoes in the back um and yeah, it just it, it goes downhill really fast. Um, Wydell's inside talking to uh, Mama Firefly, and then the dad's outside walking around and finds his daughter uh, strung up in the shed. Mm-hmm. And then you know he's yelling over the radio, and then it kind of slow mos, and then uh, Mama pulls out her gun and then shoots Wydell. It looks to be in the neck. Yeah. And then uh, Dad starts running. He gets shot in the back as he's running away, falls into a puddle. And then Otis gets to the drop on Nash. Um, I thought that I wrote it down, but I guess that I didn't. Um, hold on here. So there was a a trivia thing that I wanted to find that was... Um, Talking about the length of time that it took, because um, Otis does get the drop on Nash, but then it um, it was like something like twenty six seconds. 
Jesus. It, it, it was a long time, and I will say this is easily... Whoop, my chair just broke. Easily my favorite part of the movie. Like, right. it's, it's the one time where there's tension and suspense, and it's like you know it's coming, and the longer uh-huh. it takes to get there, the more tense and eerie it is. And then that just sort of silent pop, or bang, or whatever, and he dies. It's... It's the time I felt like he was zombie was actually being artistic in the movie. Mm, yeah. Instead okay. of just showing me crazy horse shit, it was like this is. It felt like more of a message than the rest of the movie. Right. Um, yeah, I could see that for sure. I didn't find. I couldn't find it, but I did find a um, where it was talking about. Um, so. Otis's gun of choice was a 1911 pistol, which I would love to own myself. Um, the pistol used it uh, was a reference, and this is a fun fact, sorry. The pistol used was a reference to Mosley's role in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, which was another post that was liked by Bill Mosley, thank you, um, in which he played a Vietnam veteran and Young's role in Saving Private Ryan, in which he played a World War II vet. The 1911 pistol was the official sidearm of the U.S. Army during the the two wars. Um, But yeah, so basically, yeah, like what you said, there's a lot. Oh, here it is. In the I Remember You scene, Otis uh, uses 1911 to shoot at Don Willis. Um, It takes him from holding the gun to his head to him pulling the trigger 26 seconds, which, like you said, definitely does build up tension. Um... Yeah, it was a long time. I remember watching this. I was like, oh, is he going to shoot him? Is he going to shoot him? And then yeah. boom. Um, and, like, that right there, like, yeah, it's a great scene. But, it get, like, this is where it starts to kind of go off the rails a little bit. Because, um, so, I had wrote down how crazy Otis does look in comparison between this movie and the next mm-hmm. but then at, at the after that otis comes walking down the stairs in kind of like this big hooded robe wearing um denise's dad's skin as yeah. like he has a mask and all this other kind of stuff like we're getting real texas chainsaw here again mm-hmm. um and then kisses denise and then he said the boogeyman is real and you found him which is one of my favorite quotes from the movie it is a good one. Um, the, uh, the, the thing that I took from this, uh, the moral of the story for this film to me is don't meddle where you don't belong. If they sure. just would have kept to themselves, did their own thing, you know, Jerry with being super overzealous about trying to get all the info he can, prying this and that, and then, like, yeah, just don't meddle where you don't belong. See, and this is, I mean, it's... I don't entirely get their ploy because the family's ploy because it's like, okay, skipping ahead, it's like Spaulding is working with the family, is part of the family. Yeah, so he was kind of trying to lure him there. Baby was trying to lure him there by being a hitchhiker. Mm hmm. Well, using Baby to lure lure hitchhikers, um, that's completely feasible. Yeah. But it's just like, know, like they keep saying leave and you shouldn't be here and don't do this. But like they want them there. Yeah. So I don't really I don't know what their ploy is. 
It's like huh. they're warning them away, but they're not going to let them get away. Maybe. Who knows? That's a big old mind fucking itself, man. Yeah. Um, so this is like what you were talking about here with um, them dressed up and where they're walking through the fields outside. And Mary escapes and is running away. And then um, Baby goes and chases her. Mm-hmm. But what I don't get is how Mary got confused in the cemetery. Like, she gets to the cemetery area and she's, like, looking. And it's almost like the way that it was shot was, like, Baby's like a ghost popping in and out from scene to scene like she's fucking Nightcrawler. <laughs> and then she gets she gets spear-tackled and then stabbed to death. And it's like, everything's wide open. I would see Baby chasing me if I'm trying to run yeah. away from her you know and like she's how not exactly subtle her? about it like you'd hear her coming too <laughs> run rabbit <laughs> <laughs> um and so yeah they get lowered into the uh, denise and jerry get lowered into uh they're in the caskets they get lowered in to whatever the fucking pit is um and uh, yeah i wrote down that they're uh zombie looking cannibals they have to be cannibals i mean what else would it be yeah. Um, and so Jerry gets pulled under. He's got, I believe he's he's got to be dead already. You would think um, after the scalping and everything else. Right. And then Denise ends up into some sort of crazy-ass underground. And this is where everything gets just wonky. Like, what, like, what, okay. So she's, like, going through this like these underground tunnels and shit like that. And then she ends up in like this doctor's office from hell, like, like almost like the waiting room of like, uh, like this hellish doctor's office. Uh-huh. And then that's where I believe it's Jerry. Yeah. Who's strapped to Jerry strapped to the table and being worked on by the Dr. Satan, who is like this crazy-looking whatever-the-fuck-it-is attached to some crazy-ass machines. Like, I don't... I, <laughs> it's, like it's so much is going mixed on. with Frankenstein's monster. Yeah, and it's like so much is going on, and there's so much to take in, and it's like I don't know where I'm supposed to focus yeah. <laughs> on. Like, am I looking at these, like, these poor... You know, patients that are sitting, you know, look like they've been lobotomized and, like, just, who knows? They're just sitting there and they all look like they've reverted back to, a like, an infantile state. And then all of a sudden, this, I wrote down this giant axe-wielding motherfucker, like, busts through the door, which is, I guess, called the professor. Uh-huh. Of course. Isn't very, isn't very bright either. Like, is chasing, but... So she's, like, running through the tunnels, and then he, like, swings his gigantic-ass axe and then knocks down the, like, support beams underneath there, like, on top of him. Um, Which was, yeah, like, I didn't... So, like, I get the reason why the patient-looking character sitting on the couches watching TV, eating whatever it is they're doing. Mm-hmm. Like, but the professor kind of looked like a mix of... He kind of looked like a, like a yoked-out Cenobite from Hellraiser, but instead of having, like, 
the white skin, porcelain skin, whatever, mm-hmm. and uh, disturbing features. The dude looked like his skin was peeled off. He had like the butthole looking mouth when he pulled his like breathing apparatus off, and then like gross oozy shit started spoo- like oozing out of his mouth. Yeah. I'm like, oh, yeah. Okay. crazy guy. Um, but yeah, so he, he chases her. It doesn't work out. Denise escapes like through the ground. Like she comes like crawling Growing out of the out. ground, kind, kind of like um, John C. Riley and Step Brothers. But he's like, zombie! <laughs> <laughs> zombie! Uh, you know, and so she's walking through. It kind of reminds me of the end of Texas Chainsaw Massacre here too. Like she Very gets much. in the car. It happens to be Captain Spaulding rescues her. You know, he she he's like, you know, I'll take you wherever. And then everything seems to be all right. Then, boom, uh, slow mo. Otis is in the back seat, and yeah, that's all she wrote. So we can I only love imagine the, the end question mark too. Yeah. To add I on to the wait. cheese factor. I can't wait for you to watch Devil's Rejects, man, because Devil's Rejects is it's a 100% different kind of movie. Like, it's its not as um, campy, yeah. I guess. Like, like, in this one, like, it was campy. It really did feel like 60s, 70s. Like, it had a lot of bright, vibrant, like, neon-y type colors in a lot mm. of the scenes, and like Devil's Rejects is definitely just it's gritty the whole time. Like there's not a whole lot of color. It takes place in the desert a lot of the time. It's a lot of, you know, browns and tans and all that kind of shit. Um Yeah, I definitely want to see think, it just to see what the hell could possibly happen next. If yeah, nothing it's else. Al- yeah, it's kind of like I don't know. It's a totally different movie. It's a, like the vibe is completely different. Like each movie could really kind of stand on its own, mm-hmm. like viewing wise. Like you could watch Devil's Rejects by itself, but I don't feel like you could watch Three from Hell without Devil's Rejects. Like it's almost like, yeah, like House is a, a prequel esque feeling movie, yeah. and then the other two are kind of um, Devils and uh, Three from Hell are more kind of in the same vein, I guess. Hmm. Um, we'll get and there. And so, yeah, that's yeah. Um, I I would recommend watching it before we cover it, though. Just watch it um, and let me know what you think. So that's yeah. it. That's House of a Thousand Corpses in a nice hour and ten minute nutshell. We covered all one thousand of them. All one thousand of them, man. And I know you got to work tomorrow, so I was trying to breeze through it as quick as I can. I appreciate it. And there's not a lot of stuff to cover, really. I mean, there's not a lot of depth there. It's just, you know, it's like going to TGI Fridays and looking at all the crazy shit on the walls. Like, it's... Yeah. That's exactly what it is. That 100%. It's it's shenanigans with all the goofy shit on the wall, man. Yeah. Flare everywhere, dude. That's a, mm-hmm. that's a great way to put it. Um, so, uh, you ready for your scorecard? Oh, yeah. All right, so um, I'm going to say my best kill or scare, It's it's got to be, it's got to be Fishboy. I went with Dr. Satan and Jerry, because I didn't Dr. see it Satan coming. Jerry? Yeah, 
Well, and I didn't see Fishboy coming either, and that's why I was like, okay, everything else, everybody kind of gets their turn of being fucked with, and Bill yeah. was just, he was he was the one that Baby kind of gravitated to towards the most, and he's the one that kind of got like a real fucked up fate. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they all they they were all fucked, but he got turned into a goddamn road like a like a sideshow attraction. You know? Yeah. So, um, what about, uh, so that yours was Dr. Satan. Um, my most wanted to live was Bill. I hate to keep going with Bill. I know that Rain Wilson is one of my favorites of all time. Sure. Dwight is a, Dwight's a, a big impact on my life. Um, but like thinking about what was going on in this movie, like Denise would have been a close second, but she didn't technically, we didn't see her die. Um, but Bill, like, he's just going through. Yeah, he's, you know, young and wanting, you know, eager to learn whatever he could from Spalding. Sure. But then, like, he's like, you know, if Jerry would have filled up the gas tank, they wouldn't have had to, wouldn't have, had to have stopped. Uh, yeah. You know, he was just a nice, nerdy boy trying to get through the trip, you know? I went with the girls because if they hadn't been harangued with these two yahoos, they would have been fine. Like Yeah, they were definitely they were definitely yahoos, but yeah, like if they had picked better I, boyfriends, they might have lived through the movie. I uh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> um my most wanted to die, um I would probably have to say it's a tough one, man, because, like, in these movies, they're definitely more geared towards the killer side. And so I'm not saying that you identify with the killers or anything like that, but it's definitely more from that perspective. And so it's like, do they all deserve to die? Yes. Right. Do I think Otis is the one that I wanted to die the most? No. But yes, <laughs> like, yeah. like I don't know. I would, I guess if I'm gonna if I'm gonna think real life, it would have to be Otis because he's the most menacing. Sure. Like Baby's crazy and she's up there, but like Otis, like they kind of hold like a reverence to Otis. You know what I mean? Like when he shows up to dinner and they're like, "Oh, Otis, you know, with your fucking baby fetus in a jar." Like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> what about you? I went with Jerry. I, I wrote him down almost immediately <laughs> because he, he he didn't fill up the gas. He filled up the the tire, but he didn't put it back in the car. He was just this complete douche the entire time. You know what? That's not a bad. That's not a bad. Yeah, I uh, in spirit that that's my pick. It always feels weird to pick a victim. Sure. As the one that yeah, you at want the time to I picked him, I didn't know what was going to happen to him. Right. You're like, this guy just needs to go because he sucks. Yeah. Um, so my grossest moment um, would probably have... I mean, there's a lot. So yeah. the grossest moment for me would have to be... Um, it'd probably have to be um, Dr. Satan's waiting room with... Uh, the professor just his 
he was really gross looking and the ooze coming from his mouth and the fucking skin peeled off his head like sure. i i know there's more there's a stuff other than that that was much more gross but that's the one that stands out to me the most when he takes it and then fucking just oozing mm-hmm. I mean, there is no wrong answer here. It's all gross. But I went with uh, (laughs) dressed in the dad's skin and wanting to kiss the daughter. Ah, see, I knew that you would come in clutch on a lot of these. Because as you saw, I didn't fill out my scorecard, but I was going to wing it, as I have been. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so that's a good one. My dumbest moment, generally in movies like this, is generally the dialogue yeah so like if we ever cover rob zombies halloween i'm gonna tell you right now my dumbest moment is going to be the, the dining whole, room scene yeah yeah the whole kitchen scene and like just the dialogue of that like it's so it definitely showcases the fucked upness but it's also like 100 percent not needed yeah um yeah my yeah the yeah what I totally just blanked out. What did I say for my dumbest moment? You were ranting about the dialogue. Okay, yeah. Um, I don't know, man. Like, I don't really feel like... Like, I can't think of a dumbest moment off the top of my head. I probably... My dumbest moment would be... Kind of, not to piggyback off of your most wanted to die, but... We're going real world again, and we're Jerry not filling up his goddamn gas tank. <laughs> That's what fair. about you? I, I went with the fact that it's just crazy for crazy's sake. Like I was, I've been saying this whole episode, really. It's just, it's so zany for no reason that right. I feel like if it was more focused, it would have just been a better movie. Right. I got you. Um... We did we have a uh, special category? I know you mentioned something, but I didn't. I don't remember what it was. Yeah, I forgot to write it down. All right. Well, no special category for this. Um, yeah, that's um, that's House of a Thousand Corpses. Everybody. Yeah, I know it kind of sounded like we <laughs> sounded like we were kind of shitting on it towards the end, which is not necessarily true because I do like this movie. Every yeah, time I, mean, I the watch more I it, think I, about I, it, the more I like it. But it's just. I don't see me ever watching it again. Uh-huh. And if I do, it will be a long time from now. Yeah, my wife kind of walked in and I was, uh, she's like, what movie are you doing? Uh, and I was like, you know, House of a Thousand Corpses. She's like, you just watch that. <laughs> I was like, well, it's it's been a few months, but yeah, I watched <laughs> it somewhat recently. I just, I, um, the first part of the, like, everything leading up, like, like the first half of the movie is really great. Like I love everything with Captain Spaulding, yeah. um, th- all that kind of stuff leading up to like, and then when they kill the deputies, it almost seems like it becomes another movie Yeah. when you have everything else that happens. And like that first half is, is awesome. I would say. Yeah, I mean, but it's fairly I, standard horror movie with crazy people, and it, it works. Yeah. And then it just takes this turn, and it's just tossing fish people and 
axe-wielding monsters and <laughs> just anything it can think of at the wall. And it's just like, it's not necessary. Right. I Without you, explanation. Man. Like, that's the, I think that's the thing that gets me is that there's nothing in this that explains why this stuff is what it is. Uh-huh. And so it's just crazy for it the is. sake of crazy. <laughs> I got you. Um... So yeah, that's uh, that's it. That's House of a Thousand Corpses. We Fair got enough. it done, Justin. We got it done. I'm so proud of you. And I'm us, proud of really. you. I'm proud of you. I know it's not easy to um, be around for my hectic schedule um, as of lately, especially. But hey, at least we only had we only had to put well. We were. I wanted to record Tuesday. You had an appointment. You wanted to record yesterday. I couldn't because family was here. Yeah. And then you wanted to record today, which I also did too. But then family was here till like six thirty. Right. And like yesterday would have been all right compared to today because the nephews are loud as shit. <laughs> that would not have worked well. We would have just heard two, you know, five and six year old boys just running up and down the halls. Yeah. Um, so. Before we get out of here, man, let's let's uh, let's, uh, let them in on the secret. What's our next episode? Well, everybody, uh, grab grab your fava beans and a nice Chianti. <laughs> we oh, are right. going to do the Silence of the Lambs, which we've we've debated on this because we were talking about it at work. It it's breaking our rule, but it's not. I don't think it with, is. It's okay, so. It 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 <clears throat> so it did it <laughs> it didn't come first but it did so Silence of the Lambs is a movie with Hannibal Lecter which came after Manhunter which was another movie with Hannibal Lecter but it was right. Brian Cox as Hannibal Lecter not Sir Legendary Anthony Hopkins and so and they also remade Manhunter more or less or for it, Red Dragon exactly and we were talking about that and i think that would be a fun episode to do talking about both of those at the same time and talking yeah. about the differences i don't know we're we're letting you in behind the curtain a little bit of our thought processes here but we'll see what yeah, happens silence there. of the lambs silence of the lambs i'm excited it's a good movie it is it's a long movie yeah We'll probably just do some bullet points. Maybe not a shot for shot like we tend to do. Yeah, it ends up going... Like, we always intend for one thing to happen and then other things happen, but um, you would think after this being, what, episode number 35 that we would have a concrete... Yeah, we'd have, like, 100% what it is, but no. That's kind of the fun of it, though, just kind of keeping it random. So... Um, until we reconvene and discuss Silence of the Lambs, um, you can find us. I almost blanked out again. You can find <laughs> us on Facebook. <laughs> you can find us at, well, it is 830. Um, yeah. But you can, you can find us on Facebook, uh, Pod and Gore Podcast. We have a face group page on, uh, we have a page and a group. Mm-hmm. Um, like the page, you know, come hang out with us in the group. There, um, there's there's a there's posts in there daily. There's daily posts, but that's mostly just because uh, my old friend Mike likes to share a lot of stuff. 
Yes, he and does. And so he he de- and without Mike, I honestly don't think our group would have nearly as much going on in there if it wasn't Definitely. for him. So so shout out to you on that one. Um, you can find us on those. We are on the Slasher app at pod underscore and underscore gore underscore podcast. <laughs> um, <laughs> just try to make it easier. I could say next time I'll just say pod and uh, I'll just say it and I'll say with underscores. Um, you can find us on there. Um, we are on Instagram and Twitter at gore underscore pod. You can email us at pod and gore at gmail.com. Um, get a hold of us. Let us know your thoughts, questions, comments, concerns. If we could, if we were, I would love to get a lot more um, like feedbacks on stuff because if people had questions or things that they wanted to talk about, that would be, a, mm-hmm. I would love to do a listener driven episode, be it live on like Facebook or some YouTube or something to where you guys can kind of lead the charge with us. Um, I'm not sure how we would do it, but I think that'd be fun. Yeah, if there was enough um, call for it, we'd figure it out. And the other thing is, you know, we we just do what we feel like doing on this show. So unless you tell us what we're doing that you don't like or do like, we don't know. Mm-hmm. So we we yeah. just kind of go with the flow. And if you if there's a movie you want us to do, let us know because otherwise we just pick whatever we feel like watching. Yeah, pretty much. And see, that's the thing. Like, I I got a list of. Um, some listener requests they're they're mostly from our friend Norris mm-hmm. um this this is me being really shitty so um thank you to all those that have like uh, have rated and reviewed us yeah. um we we most recently got another uh, review so we're actually well, not review but a rating we're actually up to 15 five star ratings on um on iTunes which is That's insane awesome. because like I love doing the show it's one of my favorite things to do in my spare time but like to think that 15 people gave it five stars like I w- i'm still waiting for someone to to you know bring so the you clouds guys suck in. and please stop hurting my ears <laughs> yeah please um i so i want to try to read them whenever we get a review i like to read them but i haven't done that in a long time because we well we haven't had one since april and sure. So this one's from the Misery Machine. So thank you so much. It's actually from uh, Yergi and Drewby from the Mis- uh, Misery Machine. I'm assuming it's a podcast. I should probably look into that. I suck. But thank mm. you for that, guys. So it says, huge horror movie fans here. This is a great find. We came across you on social media and thought we'd check you out. We're really happy that we did. We're working from home in a smallish city in Maine, which I would love to go to Maine. Um, where there isn't a ton to do right now as the state's basically been shut down for the long time or for the time being. So interesting and uh, entertaining podcasts are filling the gap uh, and keeping our spirits up. Keep up the great work. We cannot wait to listen to more. Might love to collab one day. Ooh, who knows? Thank you guys so much. We appreciate that. Um, yeah. So please rate review. I'd love to read your review on, on uh, the episode. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I got nothing else, man. That, I'm su- I'm so surprised we kept it under an hour and a half, even with all the rambling at the end. I know. We're good, man. Um. All right. Well, we're gonna call it a night. Um. Thank you guys for hanging out with us. Um. Until next time, I've been Brandon. And I've been Justin. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.